Hey, today. Hey, I think that we need to engage a little bit for a moment before we get into the message. So I want you to just take a, take a moment right now and, and as a, maybe as a demonstration, a prophetic act even, just take your hands and kind of put them out, out in front of you like this. Okay, and I want you to just simply say, Heavenly Father, I'm ready to receive whatever you have for me this year. I give you glory. Come on, I give you glory, God. Say it again, I give you glory, God. And now lift your hands high, all right? And I'll say it again, I give you glory, God. I give you praise, God. I love you, Lord. Speak to me now, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, all right, good, good, good. Hey, so. It's the start of a new year, and at the beginning of a new year, I saw an article uh, yesterday. It was l- listing out all of these different new uh, new races that are going to be happening this year. Like you got the uh, you know the, the the NASCAR races that are all uh, coming up, the Daytona 500, the and then horse races like the Kentucky Derby and the Dubai World Cup horse race, and and then there's going to be Senate races that are going to be happening in 2022, and then there's going to be high school track and field. Team that are going to be doing races all throughout this year. And then there's going to be, if you saw my message last week, there's going to be Boy Scouts doing Pinewood Derby races even to this day. All kind of races coming up this year. But I was thinking about it. I didn't care about any of the races that I just listed off to you. I I read the article about them, and I just thought to myself, should it bother me that I don't really care about any of those races at all? They're just not on my radar much. But you know what? The race that does matter the most is the one that you're running in. And that's what I want to take some time to talk about today, the race that you are running, the race that you and me are running in. And I want you to take some time to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and you can turn there now. And and the race that that you are running in is the one that matters the most. It's the one that that you're responsible for. this is what the scripture's gonna, gonna call us to an awareness of. And it begins with the Apostle Paul, who in this section of scripture, he's talking about his own life and he's talking about his role as an apostle and, and how he's, uh, he's become an apostle to the Gentiles, how he's no longer the, the one to reach the Jewish people. He knows what the purpose of his life is. And he's using his own life as an example in this part of the scripture. And then he uses this metaphor, and it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I want to zero in on verse 24 in particular. And in verse 24, it said, don't you realize, I want you to read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I think, I think I want to let this word speak to me as I begin a new year. Because when a new year rolls ar- around, it reminds me of the fact that I'm still in the race. 
that I still have a race out in front of me, and it's the race of a life of faith, and it's what you and I are made for. It is a race, and the question is, who's going to win? Somebody say, who's going to win? And and I'm going to tell you right now, I hope you are. And here's why. Because the race that you're in, you are not competing against me. You're not competing against him or her or them. The person that you are up against in this race is you. And so really the question is, who's going to win? Who's going to win in this race of a life of faith that you're in right now? Is it going to be you, the one who gives in to the shadow side and just goes down the trail into the shadiness and gets stuck down in the bottom of it? Or is it going to be you, you who leans into the the life with God, learning to live in his light more and more, following the leading of his spirit into holiness? Who's going to win? Is it going to be you who just says, I give up, I quit, I don't care anymore? Or is it going to be you who hears the voice of God calling you heavenward in Christ Jesus, you who continues to embrace the purpose that God has for you, you who continues to experience God's power flowing into you and the heavenly assignment that he has for you that you choose to run after. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Is it going to be you who decides, you know what, I don't really care anymore. I'm going to just do my own thing. All I want is my own pleasure. Or is it going to be you who decides, no, I'm living for the purpose of the kingdom of God, and I'm going for it. I'm going to lean into the things of God in my life, and I'm going to flex my spiritual muscles, and I'm going to see what God has for me this year. Who's going to win? That's the question. Who's going to win? And I'm praying and hoping that you hear this question and you realize that it's really the Spirit of God beckoning to you, saying, come on, yeah, it's a new year, so pick up the pace, hit your stride again, come on, get the finish line in your mind again, don't forget that there is yet another lap to go and that there is a finish line that you're moving towards. And God's the one who begins to, to reveal to us what those things are that are meant to be a part of our stride. And sometimes he does it in moments like this, in a message like the one I'm sharing with you today. But I wanted to tell you that the race that you're in is not a sprint. It's a, say it if you know it, it's a marathon. And so we do want to find our pace. We do want to let the word of God define the stride for us. We do want to allow ourselves to find the the healthy way to engage in this marathon. And we do want to let it be one that we're running uh, with the the right kind of feeding. And my message in a nutshell is simply this. Feed your faith till you win the race. Feed your faith till you win the race. Feed your faith till you win the race. I want you to look at somebody near you and and tell them, just tell them, feed your faith. And that, that was feed your faith faith, not feed your face. We already did enough of that the last couple of weeks. We're done with that. Feed your faith. Say it again. Feed your faith. Yeah, feed your faith. You are meant to be growing in your spiritual maturity where you recognize that it is you who feeds your faith, that you feed your faith. You feed your faith with daily time in God's presence where you're lingering and letting him soothe you and speak to you. You feed your faith by taking in the scriptures and daily meditating on, pondering on, 
thinking about again and again what God says in his word to you. You feed your faith by being deliberate about finding other believers to have real fellowship with, where you can actually confess your sins to one another and be healed. You feed your faith by continuing to show up in this kind of a gathering where we're getting in God's presence and worshiping him together. You feed your faith by sensing what the Spirit of God is saying to you and taking some steps that require some risk on your part for the glory of God. You feed your faith. Say it again. Feed your faith. You feed your faith till you win the race. And the winning of the race happens when you breathe your last. And until that moment, this is what you do. You feed your faith till you win the race. You know, a couple years ago, uh, actually it was a few years ago now, uh, for a brief minute, I was getting kind of serious about weightlifting. I think I was a little deluded. I thought maybe I could like really go for it and become like one of those kind of guys. And, and I was trying. I was going for it just a little bit. And uh, I was in the gym every day. And, and a, a friend of mine who's kind of a trainer and was training me was, was dialing me in on exactly what I needed to do to, to really uh, do that weightlifting well. And then he even was uh, giving me, he was texting me recipes of the foods I needed to make with exactly how much I needed to eat. Some days he was even dropping off to me pre-made meal boxes with the exact amount of protein and carb ratio that I would need for that day's exercise and workout that we were doing. It was intense, man. But he wanted me to feed myself right. He, as a trainer, he was looking at me and going, mm-mm, mm-mm, it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you need the right feeding if that, if that growth that you are after is actually going to take place. And he was making sure that I had an idea, even giving me personal examples, even giving me uh, some, some recipes. I, I think what I want to do today is kind of like that. I want to give you some recipes. I want to give you some food boxes, so to speak. But it really, it's about... It's about doing what we just read in 1 Corinthians. It's about uh, the purpose in every step. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Uh, One more time, and I want you to say this out loud with me. Ready? Go. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Say it one more time. So I run with purpose in every step. Just say that one one more time. So I run with purpose in every step. And we're talking about the marathon that is this life of faith and everything that's a part of it. Your work, your business, your hobbies, your family relationships, your church engagement, your personal dreams, your uh, your interests, the things you do for fun, all of it is part of that race. But this is what we want to learn to do, to run with purpose in every step. I, I like the way that this NLT translates that verse where it says, I'm not just shadow boxing. Like, I'm not just playing games here. It really matters. I don't know how long my race is going to be. I don't know if I'm going to have the 120 years, which I just read this morning uh, in my own time of devotional in Genesis 6. It says that God, God let people live 120 years. And then sometime in the book of Psalms, it kind of gets reduced to 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. I, I don't know how long my race is going to be. But what I do want to do is to make sure that I am running with purpose in every step of my race. Whether the purpose is having fun and relaxing and building up memories with my family, 
or whether another part of my, my race is, is, is building up the business that God entrusted to me to take care of the, the staff and, and employees that are a part of it or, or doing a better job at what I do in the classroom or anything in between. That is all part of the purpose that I want to run this race with, and I want to make sure that I do it with some intentionality. So what I want to do right now is I want to share four ways that you can keep the purpose in your step. And, and I think this will be helpful for you as we're starting a new year. And I do want you to take notes. By the way, if you aren't somebody who thinks about church as a place where you take notes, I want to strongly encourage you to change your ways this year. Like bring a journal to church or at least open up a note thing on your phone. Otherwise, why waste your time? Like it, you'll forget it after you hear what I say to you or whoever's preaches. And we got some good stuff. I believe God moves through his word. You might as well take note of what you get the sense that he's saying. And if you don't catch anything worthwhile in what the preacher's saying, maybe it will, it will at least provide like a meditation zone for you to come up with your own thoughts that you could write down. I just want you to take some notes today. I'm going to share with you four ways that you can keep purpose in your step. I'm going to use an acronym, and the acronym is going to be the word feed, feed, F-E-E-D, feed. If you're liking to take notes that way, you can put your F-E-E-D down the left side of the page if you have a page, which nobody does right now. It's all right. I forgive you. Uh, somebody in the back. Thank you, sister. I believe I got one sister who's with me in this. All right. All right. There's a few. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all are good. You're good. Look at all these people taking all these notes. They're serious about their spiritual life, Brenda. I'm excited. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, the first one is simply this. Focus on where you want to go. Focus on where you want to go. You want to run with purpose in every step into this new year. Then focus on where you want to go. That's where we begin. Focus on on where you want to go. This word feed is interesting. You know, when I, when I hear the word feed, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is what I do some mornings when, uh, when my daughter, who usually does this, sleeps in, and that is uh, our dog, Sugar. And I let her out of the, uh, her, her crate, and we bring her outside, and then I, 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 she sits down next to her little dog bowl, and I reach in the little scooper into the box, and I put the food in her bowl, and I tell her, time to feed you. Here's your dog food. And I put it in the bowl. I don't know why I feel the need to remind her that she's a dog and that this is her dog food. But I do. I just say, say to her, here's your dog food. And then she just sits there with the bowl full of food and just looks at me. And you know what she's saying to me? She's saying to me, this again? Really? I know you're holding out on me. You've got way better stuff up in there. And you're still throwing down this dry, lame, bland stuff. But okay, I'm not even going to eat it. I'm not even going to give you the pleasure of watching me eat it. I'll wait till you leave, and then I'll eat it. That's what happens when we feed her. Anyway, that's the moment with the feed with the dog. But then this word feed has taken on a new meaning, hasn't it? About 10 years ago, there was a shift. Up until about 10 years ago, feed simply would refer to, you know, you, you put the food on the table for your family, or you put the scoop of food for the dog, and that would be feed. But about 10 years ago, it shifted to, to something about what, like, Zuck and the guys want to hand down to you every day. I'm talking about Mark Zuckerberg and all of those in the tech world, and, and now feed is, is what you get when you open up your phone every day, and there it is, and you're swiping and scrolling and swiping and scrolling, and it's the dog food that's being put in front of you that's messing with your ability to run with purpose. 
that's destroying your capacity to focus on where you really want to go. And so, I want to start here. Focus on where you want to go. Focus on where you want to go. And let me ask you this question. Is this where you want to go? Because we can do a whole nother year of that. We really can. You, you can focus on, on two hours a day of TikTok, and you will have nothing to show for it at all. And I want to push against this tendency that's crept into so many of our lives. And now we just accept it, that that's just part of what we do. I want to push against that and say, come on, God has made you for more than that. And, and the scripture that I just started with, that is the, the cornerstone of this message, I, I run with purpose in every step. I don't think a couple hours a day of social media silliness is that purpose. And so I think we need to be able to be honest with one another. And a lot of us, I mean, it's probably a majority of us are caught in the addiction. And we need to learn how to tend to our digital hygiene a little bit better. And maybe we can give each other some accountability and support on that so we can focus on where we really want to go. Because where do you really want to go this year? You probably want to go, if you really gave yourself space to dream about it, you want to go forward in your professional life, maybe even accomplish that, that next level in whatever your profession is. Or, or, or maybe you want, to, uh, you, you want to go somewhere with your spiritual life and get engaged in the body of Christ and your church family like you never did before. And maybe you want to go somewhere with your faith where you want to actually begin to share Jesus with somebody out in the world. Or maybe you want to you go somewhere with your family where you build better memories together and share more delightful experiences together. Where is it? Where do you want to go? And put that in front of you. Focus on that. I'm guessing that some of us maybe, I don't know if it's a lot of us, but some of us probably came up with some New Year's resolutions uh, a number of us probably came up with some goals for this coming year. And I love it. I think that's great. That's good. That's a, that's a helpful thing. But to focus on where you really want to go, it's not just about the goal. It's not just about like, I, I just, I want to, I want to start going to the gym or I want to start reading my Bible. You need to focus on where you are actually wanting to go. Where, where you really want to go is I want to go to a place where I'm a physically healthy person that can actually dance with my wife or my husband again. I want to go to a place where I have a deeper relationship with my God that's giving me a kind of a sustained inner strength to deal with the, the junk I got to go through. <laughs> that's where I really want to go. Focus on that. And let me tell you something. Your example for this is Jesus. Jesus. This is what it said in, in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And because of the joy awaiting him, 
He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. You can see it. You can imagine it. Jesus, and you know what's being described here, right? The torture and humiliation of the cross. But he wasn't caught up in only that. He was looking and focusing on where he was going, going into the glory of the kingdom of God where every single one of us gets to experience his salvation and grow in his kingdom. And he had that focus on what was ahead that allowed him to make it through what he had to go through. Somebody say amen. That, that, that's what we get to do. We focus on where we want to go. The alternative is to just simply get caught up in drift. I remember when I was doing driver's ed in the 11th grade in my high school or 10th grade, whenever it was, in our driver's ed class, it was, it was Coach Warner who was our driver's ed teacher, and that was what he got to do when he wasn't coaching football. He did not like anything other than coaching football, and, and it showed when he taught that driver's ed class. And, but he taught it, and I remember, I remember it. I mean, the, when he said, he said, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And he said, now, uh, get up and, and walk towards me. And we all got up and one by one walked towards him. And, and then he said, now, this time, I'm going to stand here, but I want you to look over towards the corner of the room and now walk towards me. And we all did this. And he said, you remember this. When you start driving, you need to keep your eyes on the road out ahead of you and in the middle of the road. Don't be looking off to the left and at the lines on the side of the highway. And, and he was very clear about it. And it made an indelible impression on me. I remember it to this day. And sometimes when I'm driving, I'll, I'll remember Coach Warner in that moment. And I, I keep my eyes in the middle so I don't end up drifting. Yeah, now people have that lane assist stuff on your steering wheel, and you don't even care about Coach Warner anymore. But I care. I do. And this is, this is, this is what we need to do, is to be able to focus on where we want to go. One tool that has helped me uh, over the last few years is to set a focus phrase for myself. A focus phrase. I, I, I might even say one particular word, a focus word. So, for example, last year, at the beginning of the year, around this time, I prayed and I said, God, you know, what, what would be one word that would help me to have a, 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 it would be my phrase or my word that would allow me to reset, recalibrate, realign throughout this next year? And the word God gave me was persevere last year. And all throughout last year, there were so many difficult and challenging things, and I would take a deep breath and say that, that word, persevere, John, persevere. And it was like a button I could press to just reset my mind, reset my heart, reset my spirit on the road ahead so I didn't drift. It allowed me to focus on where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to a, a time and a place where some of the challenges and difficulties I was sorting through will have been sorted through. And that, that phrase that I, I felt God gave me, that focus phrase, helped me. So I want to challenge you sometime this week, maybe sit in the presence of God for a few minutes and just say, God, is there a word that you would give me that would be a focus phrase or a focus word for my life this coming year? And see what it might be. And then take it a step further. Imagine that word being like a button on your chest. And then press it. And then when you hit the, the moments where there's tension and difficulty and challenge and struggle, hit that button again. 
and remember how God is calling you to fix your eyes on the road ahead like your Jesus for the joy set before him did that and endured the cross. All right, so, so we're going to focus on, on where we're going. And then the next up is we're going to eliminate limiting beliefs. Everybody say this with me. Eliminate limiting beliefs. Eliminate limiting beliefs. This is incredibly important. You and I, we are made in God's image. And when God revealed the fullness of who he is in this world, he came as the word. The word made flesh. This is incredibly important. It says something to you and me about us and about what affects us and what shapes us and language Words define so much about our experience. Words that are spoken over us, words that are spoken to us, words that we speak to ourselves have incredible power. The Word of God says that the, the power of life and death is in the tongue, in the words that we say. And, and so part of what we need to do is recognize that we probably, at some level, maybe some of us anyway, have embraced some limiting beliefs that aren't really a reflection of the heart of God to us or for us or about us, that have come from some point in the past or some person's poison or whatever, and it's become like a, like a virus in our mind or spirit. And we need to get rid of those things, eliminate limiting beliefs. Now, let me say something about this. You and I all, as human beings, also have real limitations. And I'm not talking about denying our actual limitations. I mean, there's tension between these two things. On one hand, we do need to accept, it's healthy to accept our actual limitations for what they are, while also eliminating limiting beliefs. Here's what I'm talking about. An actual limitation might be, uh, so I, I might say, you know, I want to play in the NBA, but if I'm five foot one, that's an actual limitation. I just need to accept, right? It's probably not wise to delude myself about that. But there are limiting beliefs that we need to be able to deal with and, and get rid of because uh, the wig truth is going to prevail. You've probably heard that phrase, wig," and usually it means uh, what you see is what you get. And it's, it's a, a, ter a term used in graphic design and website design and things like that. What you see is what you get, wig." And I would say that you could take that acronym and put it this way too. What you say is what you get. What you say is what you get. I mean, it's kind of like this. Try this for a second. After everything I say right now, I want you to say, if you say so. Okay? Okay, so uh, I'll just try a few. I'm just terrible with people. Yeah. I'm just no good at handyman stuff. Yeah. I just don't have the discipline to go to the gym. Yeah, I just, I'm no good with money. I'm just not worthy of being loved. Right? Do you see, like, when you even say the phrase, if you say so, it's because you recognize the things that I just said aren't actually objectively true. There's some kind of a belief that the person saying them is embraced that probably need to be eliminated. And, and I want to tell you, it is important to identify the, the limiting beliefs that have crept into your spirit 
that haven't come to you from the Spirit of God and to get rid of them. Sometimes the limiting beliefs uh, just linger simply because we don't do anything about them. We don't replace them. And that's what uh, we really need to learn to do is to replace them. Eliminate the limiting beliefs and replace them with an empowering truth. So, for example, you say, I'm just not worthy of, of being loved. I'm just worthless. I'm just a disgrace. I would say, no, that's a limiting belief to get rid of and replace it with this truth. Jeremiah 31, 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And with unfailing love, I've drawn you to myself because you are worthy of love. Because you're not a disgrace. You are a son or a daughter who's going to receive my grace. Replace that limiting belief with an empowering truth. You might say, yeah, I'm just no good at that handyman stuff, if you say so. Or you could eliminate the limiting belief, and you could replace it with an empowering truth. And I'll throw this one down there, a, a, a good old Philippians 4.13. I can do, say it, all things through Christ who strengthens me. That might even include learning how to get good at changing out lighting fixtures and fixing door handles and stuff like that that I previously had a limiting belief about. I get rid of it. Why hold a limiting belief? Why? What good is it going to do you? Instead, embrace an empowering truth. You might say to yourself, yeah, I just don't have the discipline to go to the gym. I'm just not a gym kind of a person. That's bologna sandwiches all day long. That's what that is. You need to get rid of that limiting belief and try this one on for size. Instead of, I just don't have the discipline to go to the gym. How about this? 2 Timothy 1.7, maybe this last year's hallmark verse, but say it. God, say it with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. That is from the Spirit of God. You can be a go-to-the-gym person. It has nothing to do with, with that belief that you had before. You activate what God has given you, a spirit of self-discipline. And watch what begins to unfold for you this year. Say, put, hit, hit that button and, and take hold of this empowering truth. I have the spirit that God gave me that has power and love and self-discipline. Therefore, I can set my alarm and I can get up and go at that early hour and make something happen, including sweat. And it's going to be good. You, you find yourself thinking, you know, I'm just no good with money. And I hear people say that. I'm just no good with money. That's a limiting belief. Get rid of it. Eliminate it. Replace it with an empowering truth. Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, verse 23, he says, God, I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. And say the last part out loud with me. You have given me wisdom and power. Say it. You have given me wisdom and power. Say it. You have given me wisdom and power. Therefore, I'm going to think the right thoughts. I'm going to make the right decisions. And I am going to have wisdom for every situation I face, including the money situations. I'm good with money because he's given me wisdom and power. Right. Do you see how this works? Like you, you reset and let this be the time of year that you do it. Okay, so we talked about focus on where you want to go and eliminate the limiting beliefs. And then the, the third part of how you can run with purpose in every step is to engage habits to help you. Engage habits to help you. Engage habits to help you. Say it out loud with me. Say it. Engage habits to help you. You're going to engage habits. You know, the word habit, shocking truth, the word habit is not in the Bible. So you could say, this is unbiblical, except the act of Engaging in healthy habits is all throughout the Bible. 
Think about the earliest times of of the Old Testament when the tabernacle had to be set up and every week there had to be one whole day set apart where God's people would come and, and celebrate and bring offerings at the tabernacle. Why? That was a habit that helped the people of God uh, celebrate and activate their acknowledgement of dependence on God. Think about the the, the, te- the, the temple that David set up and, and the people were called to, uh, to, to have the priests come and the Levites come and worship and he set it up to be a 24-7 cycle. Why? Because there was a recognition that that, that active participation in adoring and honoring God was a helpful spiritual habit. The festivals of the Hebrew people seven times a year that they were called to engage in, those were habits that God said, this is going to be good for you. It's going to be a habit of rest and celebration that gets you out of the grind of work all the time. It's good for you. So throughout the Bible, there's healthy habits. And there are habits that you probably need to engage that will, that will help you. A number of years ago, I, I felt myself in a bit of a spiritual rut. And that's an odd thing to experience when you are the pastor of the church. And, uh, I, but, I, you know, it happens, and I, I felt like uh, I needed to figure out what to do. And, and I decided uh, to follow the advice of a mentor who said, you need to begin journaling and journal this way. And gave me a particular approach that, that might be helpful for my spiritual life to come alive in a new way. And that began for me, and this is, I don't know, nine or ten years ago, a, a way of of deepening my relationship with God. And I have a stack of journals at this point, a stack of one for each year that are, are a, a place of where I'm writing things that I'm praying for, writing things I'm thanking God for, writing things I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that God is saying to me and what I'm processing with him about my life. And, and it, it allowed me to have a, a sense of a deepening engagement in my relationship with God. That was a habit, though. It was a habit to open that thing up every day with those two different colored pens and do that thing. But it was a habit that gave so much growth. And I want to challenge you to discover this year the habits that are going to help you. And don't worry about the fact that it's already January 2nd. Maybe I missed the start. No, you didn't miss the start. You can start tomorrow or two days from now or two months from now. But be thinking about what are the healthy habits that you can engage that are going to help you. In any factor of your life, recognize that habits are a biblical thing. In fact, this is what the scripture says. Uh, It's not a a direct correlation, but you'll see where it comes from. Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It, it, It is about recognizing there are habits or patterns of this world that don't help, but there are patterns and habits of the heavenly kind that really will help. So ask God to show you what are some habits for my finances that could help? What are some habits for my physical life that could help? What are some new habits for our family dynamic and how we're interacting that could help? What are some habits for uh, our, our, our faith life that could help us grow and write them down and engage those habits that can help you. One, one habit, I'll just share this one with you, it, that helps me is every Sunday night, 
I open up my calendar on a Sunday night, and I take 15 or 20 minutes, and I open up my calendar, and I look at the week ahead and just take stock of all the different things that need to get done or, or, or need to be uh, not done or need to be made more time for, make my list, and get myself ready. I mean, that's just a simple one. For some of you, you have a much better and deeper approach to things than that. But for somebody, I'm suggesting that to you. Maybe that would be helpful for you, too, to take a Sunday night reset time every week. What a helpful habit that, that has been uh, for me. I'm grateful for it. All right, last, do hard things. Do hard things. You know what I'm bummed about? I'm bummed personally that another year has gone by where I didn't write a book. Me, I'm bummed about that. I, it bothers me because I've said it in the past. I'm going to write a book this year. I, I've said it. I've said it a few times. And I, and I recognize that some, something got in the way of me and doing that. And it was ultimately a failure to do hard things. It, it, it's hard to say, I'm going to open up my notebook or my computer or whatever, and I'm not setting it down until I've written a page. I mean, I don't need to, it doesn't need to be a 500-page book. It could be a 50-page book. I don't care. I just need to do it. I didn't do the hard things. I'm determined to change that this year. I want to do the hard things. But what about you? Like, what are the things? Like, maybe for you, it's, yeah, there's this certificate that if I just got certified at this level, then it would open up a whole new world of possibilities for me at my job. Then do the hard things. Sign up for the class, show up at the thing, and do the seminar, and get signed off on that cert so that you're able to do the next level of what you can do at your work. I mean, what is it for you? Do the hard things. Uh, this, is, this is crucial. I mean, what we, what we need to actually resist is autopilot. I think autopilot is what kept me from accomplishing the goal I just shared with you about writing a book. Autopilot, what autopilot does to me, autopilot says... Oh, couch. Oh, three episodes. Oh, it's too late now. Oh, you know. Yeah. Autopilot says, no, actually, not just three episodes. Do six episodes. You can stay up till one in the morning. Who cares? Not going to hurt anybody. Except I can't get up the next morning and get to the gym. Autopilot says, eh, just like have sugar, lots of sugar at every meal because it feels good. Autopilot says, you just, just put it on the credit card. Who cares? They give me such a high credit limit. Why not use it all, right? Autopilot, do you see? Autopilot is dangerous, and it keeps us from doing hard things, and we need to watch out for autopilot. Don't let this be another year where autopilot keeps you from the better things that you're really made for, for from running with purpose in, in every step. Hebrews 12, 1, uh, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses that, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And say this last part out loud with me, nice and strong. Go, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The word that's used here, this word in Greek, is this word, treko, and it, it means to move swiftly 
athlete and exert oneself and strive hard with all of one's effort to overcome, to expend all of one's strength towards something. Like that's really what it's calling us to. That's God's word to somebody today. It's time to wake up. You're made for more. And the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I think one of the things that thief would love to just steal is your effectiveness, your ability to make your best impact, your ability to do the dreams that are inside of you, your ability to show up with the kind of love and engagement that your family really deserves and that you actually also want to have a memory of. And so let's do the hard things. Let's determine together that we're going to do it. We're going to take a cue from, <laughs> from Rocky Balboa. Rocky said, nothing hits as hard as life. It's going to put you down and keep you down if you let it. But you gotta, you got to be able to take the hits. It's about... How hard you, I don't want to keep doing that anymore. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. It's about how hard you may get hit, but you keep moving forward. We move forward with a, a sense of who our God is and what he can do. And, and let me just zoom out to a big picture view. And this big picture view comes to me from the words of the prophet Isaiah who's reflecting an eternal perspective that God always reserves the right to express. And it's Isaiah 43, 18. He said, but yeah, last year was so bad. I know, I know. Right, right, right. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Wow. I'm about to do something new. God says it. I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you see it? Are you even looking? <laughs> do you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Do you hear gangster voice of God coming through? I mean, I, I do. I hear God saying, yeah, that's what I do. Rivers in the wasteland. I, I do that. But guess who you are? You are a man of God, a woman of God, created in his image and so in a sense, what the prophet Isaiah is here doing is showing you a picture of what you're also made for. Being a man of God or a woman of God who says, yes, and, and I will rise up and do what seems impossible too, because I know who my God is, and I know who he's made me to be. Okay, last I'm going to land with this Philippians 3, 13. It says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I did something that was a little questionable this past week in a conversation. And um, 
I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I don't know how this ended up happening, but we ended up talking, we were talking about death. <laughs> One of those weird family conversations where the subject of death came up, and what age, and, you know, would we want to live till we were 100, like, you know, uncle so-and-so, or would we want to live to 95, like Aunt Grace, or, well, and I, and, and I found myself saying, well, you know, personally, I only want to live that long if I'm feeling healthy, you know, and, and, and you know, one of those... And if I start losing my mind, please hit the DNR button. Do not resuscitate. Let me go. Like, please. But then I, this is where it got a little questionable. And I said, you know, to my daughter, I, I said, you know, when I, the truth is some days what I have to tell myself is I just want to make it to my daughter's wedding day. And then she started crying. That was probably questionable whether I needed to be saying that to my daughter at the kitchen table. But in, in an odd sense, I mean, I, I, not to go into the details, but I deal with some physical stuff that some days push me across the edge. And I do need to, I do need to find something that can allow me to look beyond the immediacy of the pain and whatever the next procedure and all of the stuff with that. And, I, and I, as I shared with my daughter, like sometimes it's, I'm just hoping to make it, I'm, God, I want to make it to her, her wedding day. And, and she's crying. And, I'm, and I said, why are you crying? I thought that, would, that you'd be happy that I'd want to be there for your wedding day. But apparently she was seeing the other side of that, which it's, it sounds like dad's telling me he's going to die. You know, <laughs> it's a little awkward. But I, I want to suggest to you that for every one of us, there, there is an end of the race. And God's idea is what we just read. I, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. The heavenly prize. The prize of actually going to heaven. Do not let how glistening and shimmering everything is in this present life mystify you to the point where you lose a value for how incredible heaven is going to be. God calls it a prize. That's the prize at the end of this race through Christ Jesus. And so let me just uh, ask you right now, like today, do you have a relationship with Christ Jesus? Do you know Christ Jesus as your Savior? If you do, would you just raise your hand like boldly, proudly? Like, yes, so many of us. We know Christ Jesus as our Savior. And through Christ Jesus, we get to run this race and win the heavenly prize. Through Christ Jesus. Not through doing it all right. Not through proving our worth. But through Christ Jesus, who proved his love for us instead. Now, for others of us, maybe we didn't raise our hand right now because we're, we're, we're just being honest and we're saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know about that. I want to invite you to begin a relationship with Christ Jesus today, to once and for all put your trust in Jesus so that you might have the hope of the heavenly prize being yours through faith in him. You, you might think, well, doesn't everybody go to heaven? And I think the Bible would say, no, that's simply not the case, that it is through Christ Jesus that human beings have the hope of heaven, through belief 
and trust in Christ Jesus. It is through Christ Jesus. And if you've never said, Jesus Christ, I believe in you, then you simply don't have the hope of that heavenly prize. It is not yours yet. And I want to invite you to receive it. I want you to live with the hope of heaven. It's an empowering, life-giving hope to live by it. And for somebody, this is the moment once and for all to actually receive that, that gift of salvation. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that today you would bless some of us with a, a word, a, a, a focus word or a focus phrase for this coming year. I pray, Lord, that uh, in this moment, God, you release that into our spirits or sometime this week, a, a focus phrase or a focus word that would allow us to, uh, to reset and recalibrate around where we're going. So right now, Father, some of us, would you, would you speak to us now, God? What would be a focus phrase or a focus word for this coming year? Do you have something for any of us, Lord? While we're praying, you might get a sense right now of God, uh, a word just came to your mind. Almost like you heard a whisper of it, or maybe you thought you just imagined it, but that's fine. That may be something that God is giving to you to hold on to for this year, a focus phrase, a focus word. And, and imagine it like a button on your chest almost. And every time you say it, it's going to realign you to the purpose God has for you so that you can run with purpose in every step. So God, I pray that you would activate that for some of us, a real, a real sense of you speaking to us, giving us a word for this year. Thank you, Lord. And while we're praying together, if you are uh, experiencing this moment and you don't know where you stand with God, you don't know if you're right with God, you, you did not raise your hand before because you don't really know. If you would like to finally say, Jesus Christ, would you forgive my sin and save my life? If you'd like to ask Jesus to forgive you and save you so that you can know that you are saved, that you're right with God, if that is stirring in your spirit and you would say, I think I need to do that. I want to know that I'm right with God. Would you, right now I want you to just raise your hand. If that's you, if you would say, I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. I want you to raise your hand and put it up high right now in this moment as a way of finally saying, Jesus, I want to be right with you. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that I'm saved for all eternity. I want to have the hope of heaven and raise your hand and keep it up nice and high. And if you're joining me online, I want you to just type it into the comments. Jesus, I give you my life. And now I want you to pray with me. If you had your hand raised and you say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you and I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Jesus. Would you forgive me and save me and be the Lord of my life? Would you come and rescue me from the shadow side and make me new? Wash me through your blood that you shed for me on the cross and come into my life with your resurrection power. I believe you're alive and I'm saying yes to you for now and forever. In Jesus' name, we love you and we honor you, Lord. We love you and we honor you, Lord. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah. God, why don't you stand up and you can sing this out? Hallelujah, you have done great things.